Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. The call was unexpected, and yet it was there nonetheless. My college roommate, John Bartell, who was a lieutenant in the Coast Guard and a helicopter search and rescue pilot, received the call on his day off from the dispatcher in early evening. The dispatcher said, We have a lost fisherman in the Pacific Ocean. The boat is motoring around by itself. We've been searching two days round the clock and have found nothing. We're running out of time and we're also running out of pilots. Can you help? And while Lieutenant Bartell had as his first thought, but it's my day off. And I'm with my family on the beach because they lived in the San Diego area at the time. He said, okay. All right, well, thank you. Please report to the air station for a 1.30 a.m. takeoff. And he thought, 1.30 a.m.? I didn't sign up for that, but okay, fine. So he reported for 1.30 a.m. takeoff, but the flight plans weren't ready, so there was a delay. And then the equipment wasn't ready, so there was another delay. And after another couple small delays, one after the next, finally, the crew was ready to take off at 4.30 in the morning. And then, after having been up all night, they searched the Pacific Ocean for five and a half hours, staring at the waves one after the next, after the next, after the next, with bleary eyes. My friend told me later that was worse than a needle in a haystack. They never did find the fisherman. They did find his dog. And what do you think he's going to be thinking the next time the dispatcher calls on the day off? Hey, we're running out of time. We're running out of pilots. Can you help? A big part of him probably is going to think for a good long time, is it even worth it? Compare that to reaching out to lost souls. Have you ever struggled with that thought? I know you have and I have as well. Is this worth it because like the helicopter search and rescue sometimes it can be tiring and it can try your patience sometimes when you're seeking lost souls there are snags and the path is rarely smoothly like you would map it out as a plan a sometimes there's nothing that produces a visible result And in the end, you're left wondering, was that worth it? Because there's no guarantee of success. Just like Lieutenant Bartell could not guarantee he'd find the lost fisherman, so also neither you or I can guarantee that we'll find the lost soul for whom we are searching. And that gnawing question is always grumbling within, is this worth it? Is this worth my time? Is this worth my money? Is this worth my energy, my prayers, 
my heart? Or is this something for which I should be half-hearted at best because it's not going to make a difference anyhow? Jesus today very clearly tells us from God's holy eternal word, one repentant soul is always worth it. And we meet him on the pages of Scripture where he is actually in an audience that was grumbling against him because he thought one lost soul was worth it. Jesus is with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the arrogant people who ranked everyone lower than themselves. Someone who is nice to them, they'd rank maybe a little lower. Someone who was a stranger or not that wealthy, they would rank a lot lower. And if anyone was opposing them in any way, shape, or form, they would rank them lower than dirt. Someone who isn't even worth breathing oxygen. And they thought Jesus was in that third category. Someone who's not even worth the oxygen he's breathing. Because Jesus was gathering with tax collectors and sinners to teach them about God's word. Because he had a passion that one soul is always worth it. What happened in this conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees and tax collectors? Let's find out. Please join me in looking at Luke chapter 15. We'll begin at the first verse. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, certainly not loud enough for him to hear, but amongst themselves, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them? Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says... Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus taught the Pharisees the lesson about one soul being worth it by telling them a parable that's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he tells the story about a crazy shepherd, a maniac, who in their right mind would put their financial well-being at risk, have 99 perfectly well-fed, content, doing the right thing, listening sheep, safe and sound on the hillside, and leave all of that comfort zone for one rogue that won't listen? No shepherd would do that. No shepherd would risk such financial loss, such reputation loss, because certainly everybody else who heard about this would say, that shepherd is an idiot. And yet Jesus was describing himself as that shepherd, and he didn't mind what anyone else thought about him. This shepherd, like Jesus, didn't mind having his reputation in the eyes of others be different than what he would want at first choice. Jesus didn't mind searching cold days and colder nights. He didn't mind sweating and shivering. He didn't mind going up mountains and trudging through ravines, streams, hurdles, 
having blisters on your feet, being cut by thorns along the way, there was no obstacle that would keep this shepherd from searching with a passion for his one lost sheep. And then, notice that half of the parable Jesus told about searching for this one lost sheep is about the joy that happens when the sheep is found. The shepherd finding that one lost sheep after who knows how long, after who knows how much patience, patience had been tried, after who knows how much it was against all odds, he found the sheep and he joyfully put it on his shoulders. He called his friends and neighbors together and said, you've got to drop everything and celebrate with me now. Joy multiplied in every direction because I have found my lost sheep. One was so worth it. Jesus continues the theme with another parable, this time about a crazy woman. Verse 8, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This woman dissolves into the crazy cycle for a little while. She's tearing her house apart, every little piece of it, one piece at a time, because she just cannot rest. She just cannot think or even try doing anything else on her to-do list until that one coin is found. And then when the one coin is found, she still doesn't do anything on her to-do list. Instead, she says, hey, friends, neighbors, come and celebrate with me this is going to be joy multiplied all over the place because I have found my lost coin. One was worth it. And Jesus makes it very clear, doesn't he? That's how it is in heaven. When just one person, someone just like you, repented and learned about him as the Savior of all time. It begs the question, why is one soul worth it? And maybe the more close-to-home question, is that how I usually think about things? We started our life at odds with God, on the wrong foot. We were born in sin, and that means we don't think the same as God in every way unless he intervenes and changes and so that means we, instead of caring about someone else and being driven to have a passion for the lost, as Jesus is describing here, instead we were me first. It's all about me. And we couldn't help it but be driven by our sinful nature, which always ranks me first and everyone else lower. People who are nice to me, maybe a little bit lower. People who I don't really know, strangers, probably a lot lower. And with that me first sinful nature driving, someone opposes me, someone offends me, someone I deem isn't worth the time of day, they're not worth the oxygen they're breathing. We would treat those people in our hearts as Jesus was treated by these Pharisees and, and the people who were opposing him on this particular day in Luke 15. That's within us. 
That me first, I don't care about you, sinful self. My money is for me. My time is mine. Why pray, talking to God, he's not in control, really, I am. That's the way our sinful nature thinks. And the old evil foe, Satan, is tempting us every step of every day, whispering, it's not worth it. It's not worth your time, it's not worth your money, it's not worth your prayers. None of that makes a difference at all. Look at the world. Isn't it obvious? That's what Satan tempts us to believe. And sadly, when our sinful nature is driving, what does that look like, practically speaking? First of all, we're not even aware that we should be thinking about the lost, or we we just don't care. I'm going to live my life. Other people live their life, and that's how it's going to be, and I really don't care about anyone else. Other problems come when we make excuses. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, I'm not good at this. Well, isn't someone else better? Well, I don't really want to spend my money on that, giving that to Jesus or or giving this time to Jesus. I don't want to spend my time there. It's for me. We make excuses. We look around and say, well, I'm probably doing a tiny bit more than him over there or them out there. And then we wiggle off the hook, so we think, as we're making these excuses. Blaming others comes pretty fast as a next reason why we're not going to help and why lost souls aren't worth it. If you find yourself saying, well, they, 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 you're probably in a rut of blaming others, which doesn't help anyone, does it? And finally, the last worst result might be we just wait and hope for someone else to do something, for someone else to make a change as we keep continuing on with our me-first life, and nothing changes. We, we are only on a path of souls aren't worth it. They're just not. And then the dark underbelly of that ugly lie is we start also believing maybe I'm not worth it. Maybe Jesus doesn't think I'm worth it. Maybe Jesus doesn't really care about me. Maybe Jesus is me first in the way he approaches things, in the way he thinks about my life. That's the worst lie of all. Thankfully, Jesus is not anything like that. He's the opposite of our sinful nature. He's the opposite of any lie. He's the truth. And he looked at you and thought you were worth it, quite simply. He thought you were worth living for and dying for and then communicating to He doesn't mind if you're a tax collector or a sinner. He doesn't mind if you have a life history of sin. Who doesn't? Jesus says you're worth it. And he's willing to go to the nth degree, like the shepherd, leaving the 99 for the one. Like the crazy woman, searching high and low for the one coin. Jesus has that same passion for you. He thought you were worth it. He never made excuses. He never blamed others. He never ranked you lower. He ranked you as high as could be. And he certainly didn't just wait and hope for somebody else to do something useful. No, he took the bull by the horns and went from heaven to earth to make it happen. Your salvation. 
And then, having fully forgiven your sin for free, all because of His work that is already completed, not in a situation where you need to do one single additional thing until you can be sure that heaven is your home. And that's how it's always going to stay. Now Jesus asks you and me, will you help me seek the lost? Will you help me connect the gospel to these people who desperately need it, even if they don't know that they desperately need it? And we are able to say, with a changed heart, one that can only be changed by God's word through scriptures like these, that's no longer me first. We're ready to instead say, Lord, I'm ready. I need your help. I need your heart. You give me your resilience. You give me your passion. You give me your patience. You give me your all-in love for a lost soul, whether they deserve it or not, is immaterial. Jesus, you give me what you have, and then I will have the passion for lost souls like you have had for me. And wow, what an exciting life that becomes. What an adventure of grace this is as we go forward. We stop asking, how can I? Why would I? And instead, we begin asking, how can I not? How can I not give a generous amount of my income to the Lord? So that not only can I rejoice in the peace that I have found and thank Him for what He's done for me, but also that this peace that I have found can be shared. How could I not do that? Let everything else be a back burner in my finances like the shepherd not caring about the 99, but going after the one with all he's got. How could I not spend all kinds of time in prayer asking God for the right words to say, asking God for opportunities that, that he can create in ways that only he can create? How could I not make that a priority? How could I not talk to Jesus who rules on the throne of heaven, who has a passion for these lost souls with an incredible amount of love how could I not pray to him and make this a big deal and keep praying how could I not spend time waking up in the morning and just wondering and dreaming who can I reach out to today I wonder who God's going to put in my path you just never know what's going to come up do not let the devil lie to you and tell you it's not worth it to give money for gospel ministry. It's not worth it to spend time in prayer. It's not worth it to spend time listening carefully to someone with the goal of connecting them to the forgiveness that lasts eternally. It is worth it. One lost soul. Just one is worth it. Jesus is knocking on your door. He's offering his divine resilience, his divine patience, his divine love for the lost. He's offering you the adventure of the lifetime and wanting you to be all in with him. Don't ask, how can I? Instead, ask, how can I not? Time is precious. 
Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.